The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning, everybody. Is Shamira Miller in the house? Where's she at? Where's Shamira? Did she skip? Are you kidding me? She's one of our graduates, and I, I, she didn't, I don't know that she necessarily knew I was coming, but maybe she looked ahead in the chapel schedule and saw my name and said, that's definitely a day I'm going to skip. But for some lucky people in this room, you can have her gifts. <laughs> nice catch. Nice catch. <laughs> Listen, all the stuff you hear about how unhealthy chocolate is for you, it's a lie from the devil. Eat it all you want. And if you've ever heard of a company called M&M Mars, it's fake chocolate. Make sure you only eat Hershey's. I tell people that um, I, I live in the sweetest place on earth. That's what we call Hershey. Uh, and, and I love Hershey, Pennsylvania. But I was really looking forward to coming uh, here uh, to this part of the world today for a couple reasons. One, I was looking forward to speaking to you in chapel, even though you weren't necessarily excited to see me. Um, that's okay. Um, and by the way, try not, to, try not to confuse me with the, the actor. I noticed, you know, we share a lot of good looks together. Um, but my, my daughter and son-in-law and my grand dog live in Ben Salem. So I was able to come up last night and have dinner with them um, and uh, catch up with them. And I was really just looking forward to coming to this place that is now known as the home of the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I, I don't know if, if I will get in trouble for saying this. Nate, I will apologize ahead of time. But I just feel I have to say, dilly dilly, you know? My... Uh, I have, I have four grown children, as Nate said. I only have one son. I have, a, I have a 25-year-old son, and he came down on the Thursday after the Super Bowl, and he hooked up with his brother-in-law, and they went downtown for the parade. And he came back, and, and, he, and, he, and my wife was like, hey, how was the parade? He's like, oh, it was awesome. I've got pictures of Bill. Bill is my son-in-law. I've got pictures of Bill on top of an ice cream truck. And I'm starting to kick my son like, you know, you don't need to tell mom everything, you know. And uh, mom's like, well, what was Bill doing on top of an ice cream truck? And my son was like, well, mom, he was throwing football to the guys who were on top of the garbage truck. <laughs> Some things you just don't need to tell mom, if you know what I mean. As um, you heard in my introduction, I, uh, I am a football coach. I coach football and I coach basketball at the Milton Hershey School, and I've done that for... Um, for 36 years, I've been a high school football coach. I love the game of football. I love what I call the science of the game of football. I love the X's and the O's and the strategy. I really enjoy that. As a coach, there's one thing that I've realized over the years, I can't, 
I can't teach. I can't coach. And that's what we call, in, in sports, we call chemistry. Team chemistry. Which I think this year the Philadelphia Eagles had. There was something about th- this team that went beyond football. Part of it was the Christian influence of men like Carson Wentz and, and Nick Foles, guys who loved the Lord and, and, and wanted to, to really instill you know, the spiritual values into their team, into their teammates. Every day, these, these grown men would, would say to each other and say to the world that we play the game for one another. We are, we are a band of brothers. And then as the season went on and as injuries began to happen, you know, you're talking, you know, some really, really good football players. Jason Peters and Jordan Hicks and Ronald Darby, uh, Darren Sproles, my, my uh, son, son-in-law and I were at the game against the Giants when Darren Sproles on the same play, tears ligaments in his knee and broke an arm or broke a wrist or something like that. And then, of course, late in the season, the, the MVP candidate, uh, Carson Wentz, gets hurt, and everybody's absolutely convinced that their season is over. And the, the men on the team rose up and said, don't, don't count us out because we play for one another. We're not about all the people and the fans, first and foremost, although we play for the fans, we play for one another. We're going to play for our, quote-unquote, fallen brothers, those who were hurt. We are in this together. Any team, any group of people who has that, that that kind of chemistry where they're in it together and they have each other's back and it's all for one, one for all, that's a dangerous team. I know that as a coach. That's, that's a dangerous team. And I think what the Philadelphia Eagles shown to the, to the world and what they, what they demonstrated in their relationships with each other actually speaks to something that all of us need. All of us need to have people in our lives that are going to be there for us no matter what. They're going to have our backs no matter what. They're going to be there for us in good days, bad days, and every other day in between. We, we are living life for one another. We need people like that in our lives. It reminds me of the relationship in the Bible that I want to look at today, the relationship between Jonathan and David. So if you have a Bible, open it, please, to uh, the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, chapter 18. 1 Samuel, chapter 18. Chapter 18 follows probably one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible, because it's in 1 Samuel 17 that David kills the Goliath. And not only does, does David kill the giant Goliath, but after he strikes him down dead with the slingshot and the smooth stone, David takes a sword and goes over and chops off Goliath's head. And then he's summoned to the presence of the king. At the end of chapter 17, verse 57, As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Can you imagine that? You're walking to go see the king, and you got the giant's head in your hand, you know, and you got to imagine that's kind of a little messy as he's carrying that that head. He walks into the presence of the king. He's like, Yo, king, what's up? Holding the, 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 the Goliath's head in his hands. 
Saul asks him, whose son are you, young man? David said, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Chapter 18, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant. He made a pact. He made a promise. He made a bond with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword and his bow and his belt. We're going to look at this morning this this relationship between Jonathan and David and and we're going to look at four things that this relationship shared, things that they they shared together, which are things that I think we all need to experience in in relationships with, with one another. We need to have people in our lives like a Jonathan who's going to be there for us no matter what. And, and one of those, those things that was shown in this relationship between David and Jonathan was the issue of sacrifice. Please don't lose or don't miss or don't misunderstand the significance of chapter 18, verse 4. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David. It's not like me just taking off my coat and, and giving it to somebody this morning. First of all, I don't know why you would want it. You know, this is, by the way, this is a $49 suit. Not, not bad for 49 bucks, huh? Actually, I make it look like a $490 suit, but that's all that. When, when Jonathan took off his robe, he was taking off his, his royal robe. He was taking off that that garment which communicated to the world that he was the heir apparent to the throne. He was next in line. He took off that that royal robe and he gave it to David along with his tunic and his sword, his bow, and his belt. Jonathan was sacrificing his very birthright and giving it to David. David. We're not talking about just a little bit of sacrifice here. We're not talking about just sacrificing a little bit of time or or like sacrificing a $20 bill and putting it into, into David's hand. He was giving to David his birthright. And by this act of giving him his, his robe and his, his tunic and his sword and his, and his, and his belt and his bow, He was giving to David his power, his position, and his future, and he was placing it in David's hands. That's sacrifice. That's a relationship where one says to the other, I will sacrifice for you because I care about you. And God has called me into this relationship with you. So let let me ask you, who is in your life that will sacrifice like that for you? Who is in your life that will drop whatever it is that they're doing? Because whatever it is they're doing, it's secondary to what you need at any given moment. Who is in your life that will sacrifice for you like that? And let me ask a second question. Who are you in relationship with that you would be willing to sacrifice like that for? Think about that. 
Sacrifice is certainly a key element in this relationship between Jonathan and David. A a second element is is the issue of, of loyalty. Jumping ahead to chapter 19. Verse 1, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I'll go out and I'll stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and I will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and he said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his very life in his hands when he killed the Philistine giant. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it, and you were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David? By killing him for no reason. Jonathan had David's back. Jonathan was loyal to David. Jonathan had to find the strength of character, the strength of conviction to go to his father, which was not just dad, he was the king. And he said to his father, the king, don't do this. David is not guilty of doing anything. In fact, David has served you. He's helped you. He's he's done a great thing for you and for our country. Spare him. Saul listened to Jonathan, verse 6, and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. Let me ask you, who do you have in your life that is loyal like that to you? Who is in your life that's going to have your back no matter what? And the opposite question, who's in your life that you are loyal like that to? Whose back do you have no matter what? Third thing that this relationship shows us, which is one that that us men struggle a lot with. The relationship between Jonathan and David showed a lot of emotion. Look at chapter 20. In fact, let's jump ahead to the the end of, of chapter 20. Verse 42, Jonathan and David are about to part ways. And Jonathan says this to David, Go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and and your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to his town. But before that, before they parted, look at verse 41. After the boy had gone, there was this this episode where, where Saul actually goes back on his word. He goes back on the oath that he gave to Jonathan and said, I promise I won't, I won't kill David. He tries to kill him again in, in, in chapter 20. And Jonathan, who's loyal to his friend, he protects him. He has his back and he finds a way to, to protect David from, from harm. And then he uses a little boy to help him do that. So verse 41, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of a stone where, where David was hiding behind. And he bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. 
Then they kissed each other. And they wept together. But David wept the most. Now, now folks, first of all, let's just call a little time out here because when you, you read these two men in the Bible hugging and kissing each other, it's like, oh, that kind of creeps me out. This was common in Bible times. I've even read some commentary by some folks who, who, who believe that David and Jonathan were gay men because they embraced and they kissed each other. In biblical times, that was a common greeting. You know, the old greet each other with a holy kiss? That wasn't just words. People actually did that. It was common. And even the men did it. There was no shame in it. My son-in-law, who I, I, I share with you, lives right, right close to here in Ben Salem, wonderful guy, loves my daughter to pieces, and he treats her like a queen, and he's everything that, 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 that I prayed for. Uh, growing up, when my kids were growing up, prayed for their future spouses, and, and God brought this, this man into, into her life, and he's a great guy. His father is a retired Philadelphia police officer, and he grew up in a home where he knew his parents loved him, but there was no emotion. I show up at the doorstep last night, a knock on the door, and after the, my, my, my grand dog, you know, this 140-pound German shepherd almost knocks this old man over, you know, I went in and I gave my daughter a hug, and, and I went over and I, I gave Bill a hug. Bill's 6'3", so I was more like this, all right? I, I gave him a hug, and he, he just kind of laughed. He said, this still creeps me out. And I'm like, what? Your family. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, we didn't do this in my home. You know, some people, it is, this is weird. This is creepy. Jonathan and David are hugging each other, and they kissed each other, and they wept together. Because these two young men were brothers. They weren't just casual acquaintances. They weren't just casual friends. This relationship was deep. Jonathan and David had each other's backs. They were willing to sacrifice for each other. They were loyal to each other. And I, I believe there's just a few words here in verse 41 that jump out to me. As they were hugging and they were embracing and they were crying together, the, the scripture tells us, but David wept the most. I don't think this was a crying contest. You know, he wasn't going to get a trophy for shedding more tears. I think he just realized, wow, Jonathan, you have... You have sacrificed so much for me. You've saved my life. You've had my back more than once. And, and, and the guy that was after me was your father. And as David wept, he wept even more than Jonathan because I think he realized in that, in that moment that this relationship was incredibly special. The scripture tells us in, in Romans chapter 12, we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So let me ask you, who is in your life who will put their arm around you and cry with you when you need to have a good cry? Who is in your life that can just crack up and laugh like there's no tomorrow, just celebrating life with you? Who's in your life that can share life with you in that way? And the opposite. 
Who is in your life that you are being that kind of friend with? One more element in this relationship that I, I, I want to highlight for us, and that's, that's the element of mission. Mission. Jonathan and, and David shared sacrifice. They shared loyalty. They, they shared emotion. But they also shared mission. They shared purpose. And, and I see that right, right here at the end of, of chapter 20. Again, in, in verse 42, when, when David and Jonathan were about ready to separate and go different ways, Jonathan says to him, go in peace. For we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. When, when I say that, that Jonathan and David shared mission together, I, I'm saying that they, they shared the same goals. They shared the same values. When they woke up every day, they thought of the same things. Part of that was the good of their country, the good of Israel. Part of their shared mission was, was the defeat of their enemies, the, 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 the defeat of the, the Philistines. But I think a bigger part of their shared mission, their shared values, their shared purpose, was their shared relationship with God and living lives that honor Him. Jonathan looked out for David. David looked out for Jonathan. They encouraged each other in their shared faith. So I'll ask the same question. Who is it in your life that will come alongside you and encourage you, motivate you, push you, and maybe even sometimes kick you in the backside when you need it in order to kick you closer to the Lord? Who is it in your life that will come alongside you and help you defeat and fight the enemies in your life? And who is it in your life that you are doing the same for them? 44 years ago, I know that's a long time, 44 years ago, I was sitting in a little classroom in the local church that I grew up in. I was a sixth grade boy, which meant I was nothing but trouble. And there was a Sunday school teacher. One day, he put his arm around me and looked me in the eye, and he said, young man, with all this energy that you have, God's going to do something special in you and through you. It was in that sixth grade Sunday school class when I was 12 years old that that man shared the gospel in a way that I understood it for the first time. And he led me into a relationship with Christ. That man, for the last 44 years, calls me, he writes me. Uh, he's a friend of my father, who's, who's still living, and he passes messages to me all the time through my dad. That man is my Jonathan. Now, just three weeks ago, there was, how do I say this? There was an article written in the newspaper 
about the Milton Hershey School and about me and about my work. And let's just say it was days like that day when that newspaper article was, was printed that I think Donald Trump is right. There is fake news. It was nothing but lies. It was vicious. It was horrible. And I had a lot of people come up and say, ah, oh, don't worry about it, Mike. Don't worry about it. It's lies. You know, we know you. You're a good guy. This is all lies. No big deal. Don't worry about it. But I worried about it. And then one night, three days after the article went to print, I got a phone call from my Jonathan, who's 20 years my elder. He said, hey, your dad told me about the article. I Googled it. I read it. Mike, listen, nothing I can do. I can't change it. I just want you to know I'm here for you. I just want you to know if you need to talk to anybody, just pick up the phone and call me. And he prayed with me. And from that day on, it was okay. It was okay. Because my Jonathan has my back. His commitment to me and to my life and, and my walk with God is pure. It's sincere. And he's going to be there for me no matter what. We all need people in our lives like that. Please, please don't be tempted to sit here this morning and say, well, well Pastor, I, you know, I go to Christian college. There are people all over campus like that. My profs are like that. You know, and, and you know, our, our, we're all Christians. We're friends. We, we, we're here for each other. You, you know, I, I, I went to Christian college too. You know that's not true. You know that's not true. If your life falls apart today, who's going to be your Jonathan that you know you can turn to and they're going to be there for you no matter what? My challenge to you this morning is threefold. I want to give you three things to think about. Number one, I want to challenge all of you to ask God for a Jonathan. Ask God to bring a man or to bring a woman into your life that will be like Jonathan was for David. Someone who you know is in your life for you, not for them. Someone that you know is going to be loyal to you no matter what. They're going to have your back no matter what. They're going to share life with you. They're going to share faith with you. They're going to encourage you in your walk with Christ. No matter what. When you stumble and fall, they're going to be there to pick you up. When you make a bad choice... They're not going to turn their back on you and walk away. They're going to encourage you to get back on the, on, on the right path. And, and they're going to hold your hand and they're going to walk with you. They're going to pray with you. They're going to encourage you. Ask God to bring someone like that into your life. And if you're here this morning and, and you have the great blessing of being able to say, I have that person in my life. I have someone like that in my life right now. Then I want to challenge you to thank God and thank them.
for the role that they play in your life. Challenge number two. I want to challenge each of you to become a Jonathan to somebody else. Be a Jonathan for someone who needs you. And by the way, my Jonathan, his name is Walter Sisersky, by the way. Walter. I didn't ask him to be my Jonathan when I was 12 years old. I didn't ask him to be a part of my life when my parents divorced and I was going through all the difficulty of, of, that, of that brokenness, of that hard time. I didn't ask him to sacrifice his time, material possessions, in order to help me. He just took it upon himself to be that person for me. And it wasn't until later in my life that I realized he's a Jonathan. And all that he's doing, he's doing it for me. Become a Jonathan to somebody else. And then the third challenge is this. Always, always remember that even right now, you have someone in your life that's even better than a biblical Jonathan. Proverbs 18, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and he will never, never, not when you're the biggest knucklehead on the planet and you make all kind of foolish choices and, and you, you stray from the right path, he will never leave you or turn his back on you. That friend, Jesus, in John's Gospel, chapter 15, says this, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Folks, my hope and my prayer for every one of you is that there is someone in your life and that you might become that someone in someone else's life who is like Jonathan was to David, who's going to be there no, no matter what. Because we all, we all need that. Seek it out. Ask for it. Tap somebody in the shoulder and be that person for somebody else. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you this morning for Walter. God, I thank you that, that that man loved me when I was nothing but a pain in his neck all those many years ago in Sunday school. I thank you, God, that even though I didn't ask for it, even though I didn't even think that I needed it, he walked life with me. He was my Jonathan. And God, today, I pray your richest blessing upon him because of the role that he's played in my life. God, I, I pray for these students here at Care University. 
I pray, God, that each and every one of them would have someone in their life that is their Jonathan. Someone in their life who, no matter what, will be there for them, will be loyal to them, will have their back, will share mission and purpose and values, will encourage them in their faith, will sacrifice their time, their talents, their treasures for the good of them. God, I pray that every one of these students would have that person. And God, if they do, I pray that today they would be especially thankful and that they would go to that person and thank them for the role that they are playing in their lives. But God, if, if they don't have that, that person in their lives, I pray that today they would seek it out. God, I pray that every one of these students would become a Jonathan to someone else. I pray, God, that they would live their lives sharing it with another like Jonathan shared with David. And God, I pray today as we, we close this chapel service that we would all leave here remembering that even though we may struggle to find that human Jonathan and even though we may personally fail others by not being there for them when they need us the most remind us as we walk out the doors of this of this gathering that you will always be there for us you always have our back you are more than just a little loyal to us you have sacrificed much for us and you will never turn your back on us Help us, God, to cherish that relationship above all else. Dismiss us from here, God, with your blessing, I ask and I pray, and help us to, to follow you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Help us to, to be a Jonathan and help us to seek that out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.